Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Policy Pack Software, where you use group policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lock down applications, Java, browsers, mitigate ransomware, and more. And also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application layering product on the market. And by Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. If you enjoy the podcast each week, you have them to thank. And now on to some news. The March 2020 Patch Tuesday patches that were released this Tuesday by Microsoft fixes 115 CVE numbered flaws, which includes 26 that are critical, 88 that are marked as important, and one of moderate severity. At this time, none of them are under active attack, at least as of this recording. Interestingly, one of the vulnerabilities that's patched comes via a bug in the Windows LNK shortcut files. It allows malware to execute code on a system when a malicious LNK file is processed by the Windows OS. The attacker could present to the user a removable drive or remote share that contains a malicious.lnk file and an associated malicious binary. When the user opens this drive or remote share in Windows Explorer or any other application that parses the LNK file, the malicious binary will execute code of the attacker's choice on the target system. While that sounds like a doozy, it's maybe not as severe as some of the vulnerabilities that were patched over the last few months. But obviously, you know, keep up on your patching. There was an interesting vulnerability related to the Remote Desktop Connection Manager, or RDC Man, as most people know it. This is a tool that allows you to set up like your RDP connections to your servers or desktops or whatever, and you can like store credentials if you want to for like a fast right-click connect. So it's kind of like something maybe Royal TS or Devolution's Remote Desktop Manager. But it's a free product from Microsoft. It is quite old, but a lot of organizations still actually use it. The vulnerability happens when the application improperly parses XML input containing a reference to an external entity. An attacker who successfully exploited this vulnerability could read arbitrary files via an XML external entity declaration. To exploit the vulnerability, an attacker could create an RDG file, which is basically what you save all your RDP connections and settings into. But they could create this RDG file containing specially crafted XML content and convince an authenticated user to open the file. So basically hijack that RDC file and get it to point to something malicious and have a user unknowingly execute it. Even though this product is still quite widely used, it was actually deprecated quite a while ago. So this is something that is not going to be patched. So you're going to have to look for an alternative, be that the Windows Admin Center, which is free, or a product like Devolution's product, or possibly RoyalTS, which you may have to license. Shortly after this month's patches were released, Microsoft disclosed a new critical 
unpatched and wormable vulnerability affecting the SMB3 protocol. CVE-2020-0796 is the CVE for this one, and if exploited successfully, could allow an attacker to execute arbitrary code on the target SMB server or SMB client. It's said to exploit the vulnerability against an SMB server, an unauthenticated attacker could send a specially crafted packet to a targeted SMB v3 server. Microsoft disclosed in an advisory to exploit against an SMB client, an unauthenticated attacker would need to configure a malicious SMB version 3 server and convince a user to connect to it. Microsoft and some in the security community are urging users to disable SMB version 3 compression and also block TCP port 445 on firewalls and client computers as a workaround. According to thehackernews.com, Microsoft have cautioned that disabling SMB version 3 compression alone will not prevent the exploitation of SMB clients. Their article, quite handily too, shares an example PowerShell commandlet for disabling compression, which while by itself is not going to protect you, it is part of the suggested workaround or mitigation for now. At this time, there's no word on when Microsoft will patch this. Hopefully there will be an out-of-band patch because it seems like a pretty serious vulnerability. And from what I understand, this is something they had planned to patch with the March patches but it didn't get into the March patches and then it got disclosed publicly. So they may need to play a little bit of catch up. There's an interesting note from Guinea Gahi on Twitter this week who shared that the new Windows 10X emulator image that's available in the Microsoft store is actually in the MSIX package format, which makes it one of the first, I believe, or at least one of the first that does not belong to Tim Mangan. This week, NetApp announced that they have acquired Talon Storage. NetApp said the acquisition of Talon will add new remote and branch office capabilities to its portfolio of cloud data services, which includes Azure NetApp Files, a file storage service for running workloads in Azure without the need to modify code. And that's something I covered on the podcast during my Ignite review last year. According to the Hacker News, AMD processors from as early as 2011 to 2019 carry previously undisclosed vulnerabilities that open them to new different side channel attacks as shared via a freshly published research paper. Known as Takeaway, the new potential attack vectors leverage the L1 data cache way predictor in AMD's bulldozer microarchitecture to leak sensitive data from the processors and compromise the security by recovering the secret key used during encryption. It's worth noting that some of the co-authors listed in the study were also behind uncovering uh, Meltdown, Spectre, and the zombie load vulnerabilities. The good news here is that the twin attacks can be mitigated through a variety of hardware-only, hardware and software changes, and software-only solutions, including designing the processor in a way that allows for dynamically disabling the way predictor temporarily and clearing the state of the way predictor when switching between kernel mode and user mode. 
And for those who listened to the podcast last week, I covered some vulnerabilities disclosed by Intel. It appears that this month they released fixes for six high-severity graphics driver security flaws among 17 patches in total. It's been a rough couple of years in the processor game. This week, Citrix announced the official deprecation and end of support for cloud-hosted workloads, or VDAs, in the current release of Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops, starting with Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops version 2003. A site running on CVAD 2003 or higher with workloads in public clouds will be an unsupported configuration. Customers leveraging public clouds for workloads for running their VDAs on are encouraged to migrate their environments to CVAD running in Citrix Cloud or remain on the 1912 long-term service release version, which includes up to five years of mainstream support. Citrix have said the reason for the change is down to the pace of change in public cloud providers being so frequent. With CVAD's service, Citrix can adjust the service to rapidly accommodate changes in their public cloud integration points without requiring the customer to execute rapid upgrades. So obviously this is a pretty big change from Citrix and based off the reaction on Twitter, a lot of people and a lot of customers are pretty disappointed by this. And I can imagine the disappointment will get even worse in a couple of years when maybe the current release version has much better performance in these extra features that the LTSR version that some might have to switch to does not. ZDNet have reported that multiple nation-state groups are exploiting a Microsoft Exchange vulnerability that I covered on this podcast several weeks ago. The vulnerability was actually patched on February 11th. If you run Exchange 2010, 2013, 2016, or 2019, you should patch immediately. And now for this week's scripts, tricks, and tips. Do you get annoyed by that prompt asking, do you want your PC to be discoverable when connecting to a new network? Well, if you do, B underscore Rad MN on Twitter, our full name, Brady Donovan, shared a registry key that you could set. It's HKLM system, current control set, control, network, new network window off. And I understand following... uh, Me listing out a registry on an audio-only podcast might be difficult. So you could see this on the video version of the podcast, or you could just go to 5bytespodcast.com, go to reference links for episode 115, and you'll find the scripts, tricks, and tips right at the top of that page. So the next one is courtesy of my buddy Trent. Are your login times in your environment varied? Do you have a legal agreement banner before your users log on? I know with that legal agreement, it can really suck the life out of logon. I have something like that in my current virtual desktop environment, and it's a real killer. Well, if that's you too, then you can measure how long your users sat at that logon banner screen using process monitor and filters. He says the catch is you need to be tracing before the users are logged on. And when sharing this information, he had some screenshots of those filters and how he traces that. The next one is courtesy of Brandon Mitchell on a MyCUGC blog post. If you're using Windows Server 2019 with Citrix Virtual Apps, 
you may have a problem with users reconnecting to disconnected sessions that have idle timed out. He provides a workaround, he goes into much more context to around the issue, but he also provides a workaround by a registry setting, HKLM Software Citrix Reconnect, and changing the fast reconnect value. And finally, Marco Hoffman, who's a Citrix CTA, shared a great blog post on integrating the excellent Visual C++ redistributable module created by Aaron Parker into your task sequences. So I shared the module on one of the very first episodes of this podcast over two years ago. It kicks ass. Personally, I use it a lot when I'm setting up like sequencing VMs or even building out my own home lab because I deploy a lot of my applications with AppV, but I tend to put the Visual C++ runtime redistributables on my desktop. I also deploy some applications with cloud paging, but I kind of got in the habit many years ago of keeping the Visual C++ runtime redistributables, .NET framework, and some of those Microsoft components that are commonly used across various different applications that may be virtualized or not virtualized that need them. So this is one that I think would be pretty common to deploy in pretty much every organization. And most people have multiple versions of Visual C++ deployed too. So the module is a real time saver. And Most organizations obviously also use SCCM and task sequences. So this blog post will help you to take that Visual C++ module and integrate it into your existing OS deployments. And that's it for another episode of the podcast. As of this recording, we are now in a worldwide pandemic. I know last week I covered the coronavirus and some of what it would mean for enterprise IT and some of the effects are already being seen. I'd just like to wish everyone good health and to stay safe. And obviously, I think if you work in end-user computing or virtualization or pretty much any arm of IT, I think we're all going to feel a pretty big pinch from this for trying to enable remote work and just trying to support productivity in the business as part of business continuity. So I also wish you good mental health. Stay strong, everyone. And thanks so much for listening.